I'd like to ask you a question, Claire. Okay. If a menacing creature's name sounds like it could be a French comfort dish, could it really be that menacing? I suppose not. Let's find out. I'm Vince. And I'm Claire. And this is Friends Friends of of Legend. Legend. Friends of Legend, a podcast where we take the mythical and misunderstood of this world, try to bring it close to our hearts. You can think of us as Newt Scamander from Fantastic Beasts, but with a podcast. And a little more personable. So this week, we are going to be talking about a creature that I've always been curious about, but never really got to get experience with, the Terrisk. And... Have you ever heard of the Terrisk, Claire? I hadn't until you told me that we were doing this episode. So it's something that a lot of people who are familiar with Dungeons & Dragons, especially older Dungeons & Dragons, would know the name of. And they probably have a very concrete picture in their mind of what the Terrisk is, and they're probably wondering, why are you doing an episode on this? How are you going to be friends with that? (laughs) And to do an episode on the Terrisk, it's almost like doing an episode on two different creatures because there is the modern interpretation that is heavily associated with Dungeons and Dragons and then there's the original one. So first I'd like to talk about the things that the two have in common. It's a very short list. One, it's a very big creature, usually about 50 feet or 16 meters in height depending on what kind of measurement you use. Two, it's known to hibernate for many many years and that's about all the two have in common. So I think first I'd like to talk about the modern interpretation, since that's going to be the one that people resonate with the most. A Terrisk is a very large reptilian sort of creature. Imagine being a kid and having a bunch of dinosaur figurines, um, all kinds of dinosaurs, and you dump your dinosaur figurine collection on the floor and you decide, I can do better than this. (laughs) And you take like the back of an ankylosaur, Uh, the horns of a triceratops, the mouth of a tyrannosaur, and then a, uh, like, two arms from a velociraptor, but like the velociraptors from Jurassic Park, not the actual chicken-sized velociraptors. (laughs) That's right. And you just kind of cobble them all together. That's what a Tarrasque is. It's large, it's got a big, hard, shelled back, covered in horns, big old mouth. It's bipedal, and... It has large arms tipped with very sharp claws. And this creature gets its sort of modern reboot first in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which is from the early 80s. It was added as a basically a boss monster. Very strong and very tough. It's got uh, a lot of constitution. And its armor is impervious not only to physical attacks, but can reflect magic like a mirror. It's known for not being intelligent. Uh, essentially, it doesn't have any sentience. Really? It, okay. It sleeps under the ground for decades or centuries or even millennia. How does it fit under the ground? How does it, Well, I mean, it's got those big old, big old digging arms. The diggers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it digs way underground or it's put there by some kind of supernatural force sometimes it's pictured as like the the chaos engine of the gods and it and it wakes up either if it's hungry or if some misguided person finds some sort of spell to awaken it and it goes and it tears through the countryside until it gets tired again and digs back underground and sleeps what a life what a life indeed so where do they live besides underground in in the world where do they live so in the modern interpretation the terrace it'll live anywhere where it's sort of like a a valley or a hill countryside where it can dig deep under the ground and then emerge whenever it wants it'll call anywhere home that it can rest undisturbed and then it'll wake up move around eat and destroy and then go back to sleep it's one of those things that can't be reasoned with can't be lied to can't be bribed you just either try to face it or you try to stay out of its way and neither really guarantees your safety it's it's something where when a dungeon master is pretty much done with their campaign and they want to scrap it and start something else they'll throw a terrorist in so that it can wipe out the entire oh, no. party yeah okay. it's <laughs> I mean, that, that's a little bit dramatic, but I'm sure that there have been plenty of times where Dungeon Masters have said, yeah, I'm done with this one. It's Terrace time. Okay, so they are aggressive. They are very aggressive. They they are essentially mindless destroyers okay. in the modern depiction, and they've gone on to inspire other sort of terrible, aggressive, monstrous reptiles such as the Death Claws of the oh. Fallout series or the extremely hard-to-kill lizard of the SCP universe. And and what is SCP again? It's sort of an internet fiction about a group that seeks to locate and contain anomalous objects or beings. And this, this being one of them is one that they simply can't contain because it is unkillable and uh, inimical to everything living. So hearing all of this, you're probably thinking... Well, why are you doing an episode on this? It doesn't seem possible to befriend something like this. It sounds pretty intense. And you're not wrong. This interpretation of the Terrisk is one that would... You'd, you'd just stamp, not a friend yet, and you'd move on, and that would be that would be the end of it. But what if that wasn't the whole story? We're, we're trying to uncover the, the big picture of of all of our magical friends in the world, you know? I'm sure this is another case of... Of people looking on the outside and and not wanting to dig any deeper, but we're gonna we're gonna get into the the meat and potatoes. It's true. Sort of modern culture has forgotten a lot of the meat of the story of the Terrisk, the original story, and that's what we're going to go into now. Excellent. So the Terrisk was originally discovered by humans in uh, medieval France. Uh, when you said that they live in countrysides, I immediately thought of France. Yep. Specifically, it uh, was first found in Provence, which, of course, we, we both love Provence. Because For its of lavender. Lavender. The, the soothing smell of lavender, mm. which is a, a wonderful idyllic picture to paint in uh, comparison to the Terrace. <laughs> now, the original Terrace looked almost nothing like the description of terrasks as we know them today it was more of a sort of chimera it had the head of a lion the back shell of a tortoise Hmm. and a scorpion's tail 
the body of an ox, and then six stubby bear-like legs. Oh. And if you haven't before, go ahead and look up a picture on Google of French Tarasque. That's spelled T-A-R-A-S-Q-U-E. And another point, in fact, is that the modern Tarasque is spelled with two R's, so it's, it's even more distinguished from the original. So this Tarasque, it would sleep underneath the Rhone River and only occasionally awaken when boats passed over it so that it could take a swipe with its stubby little bear paws and capsize the boats. Oh no! <laughs> um, it was known to eat people, but it especially liked eating human children. Which is unfortunate. Sounds like Baba Yaga. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, an obsession, I'd say, with uh, human children when it comes to some of these some of these creatures of Europe. I wonder why. Maybe they're just easy prey. Uh, that would make sense to me. Either that, or it's just something easy to say when your kid asks you, "Why do I have to do this?" It's like eat your greens, or the terrorist's gonna get you. We'll get into this a little more, but even if that is the case, it doesn't necessarily mean that it can't change its ways. That's true. And maybe we can help it to to learn about other cuisines that are out there. Definitely. I feel like it wouldn't be hard to introduce the Tarrasque to some, some better food if it's already located in uh, beautiful southern France. So at what point did did humans start thinking that the Tarrasque looked more like a dinosaur? Or did, did they evolve? It was when Dungeons & Dragons picked up the creature as something that they could include in the game. They were looking to expand the roster of beings that you could run into. And they had always been picking creatures from different parts of mythology, like you know, the Hydra, Griffin, dragons, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so they wanted to go for something a little more obscure, but I think maybe it was a little hard to a little hard to engage people with this image of a lion, turtle, ox, bear, scorpion. Right. And so they wanted to give it more of a cohesive sort of look, and it became a lot more dinosaurian, and as a result, they gave it a lot more of a, you know lizard brain, lizard attitude, sort of, I don't want to say a, a Godzilla aspect, because even Godzilla has more intelligence and sympathy than than what they gave the Terrasque, but that sort of single-minded uh, destructiveness. Well, I, I'm excited to find out the truth when we actually meet one and, and see what it really looks like. I'm sure that a lot of, a lot of humans that have come across the Terrasque have not lived to tell the tale of what they saw? It's true. Um, the Terrasque, even in the original story, was definitely a creature of hunger. It would attack any human on sight, and it became a very big problem for the town of Nerluk near the Rhone River, where it, this creature would be eating their children as they frolic through the lavender fields. Oh no. And... So eventually the the king of the area sent some soldiers out to try to slay the beast and they were completely ineffective their swords their spears their bows and arrows they they just bounced right off the thing and mm -hmm. served to only make it angrier and it's about this time that the catholic saint martha comes into the picture and this is really where we get 
our story of the Tarisk from her her trip to France. Uh, another kind of interesting point, one thing that I really liked, St. Martha is the uh, saint of waitresses, waiters, bartenders, uh, oh, cool. the hospitality industry, which is something close to my heart. Yes, we, we are both former bartenders, um, craft beer enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Well, still are. <laughs> yeah, still, still the last one, not the first one. <laughs> so she comes in and she hears tale of this terrible beast that's ravaging the French countryside. And she says... Well, swords and spears didn't do the trick. Maybe the uh, the good old book will do it. Ah. So she goes and she tracks down the lair of the Tarisk. And the Tarisk, which in this story is described as something that can talk and understand uh, human language, it is threatening and it looks like it's going to eat her... But she approaches it, and she says some hymns and prayers, some gentle words, and she calms the beast. And she eventually says, you don't have to destroy, you don't have to eat people. There's a better way, a kinder way that you can live. If you will come with me, I'll show you. I'll introduce you to the people of this town, and we can live in harmony. And... She eventually gets the terrorist to follow her. She essentially tames it um, with her with her presence and her words. Mm-hmm. And it follows her willingly to the town of Nerluk. And as soon as they cross into the town gates, the, the villagers of the area, they see the creature and they think, this hideous beast ate our children. We're going to grab our torches and pitchforks. And we're going to attack this thing now that it's been drawn into our home. It sounds a lot to me like Beauty and the Beast, where the Beast, you know, overcomes his aggression and uh, and the villagers just don't want to give him a chance because he had done so much harm. It is very, very similar. There's there's even some thought that the, the story of Beauty and the Beast was inspired by uh, by the story of the Terrace, because the story wow. of the Terrace is very old. Um, like I said, it's medieval. And, you know, they're both set in France. Uh-huh. And St. Martha is trying to tell these townspeople, no, don't attack it, it's our friend now. And the terrorist who isn't really being affected by these weapons is looking at all the pain and the suffering that it has caused these these villagers by eating their loved ones. And it eventually passes away, not of uh, violence, but of shame. Oh, that's so sad. It is, it is a very very sad story to see this this creature that is looked upon as sort of a furious unlovable irredeemable creature by the uh by the townspeople actually being something that just didn't know any other way until someone decided to treat it like an equal oh my gosh i'm i'm getting a little weepy eyed it tugs at the heartstrings and eventually St. Martha, after after the beast was carried out of the, the town, she lays that trademark Catholic guilt upon the townspeople. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all convert to Christianity like all of these stories of saints go. But then they change their town name from Nerluk to Tarascon. Oh, wow. And the, the town of Tarascon is a real town. It exists today. They have festivals for the Tarisk, 
which is where you're going to see a lot of those Google images of the Terrasque come from, a lot of sort of floats and effigies and statues and things like that, because it's sort of a historical memory of a time when humans were the the beastly ones, not the beast itself. And hopefully one day a Terrasque will come back and and visit the village and and the humans can offer friendship. Hopefully, hopefully we've learned the errors of our ways. The sad thing is, though, it's not easy to say whether there was ever more than one Terrasque. It's it's depicted that same way in uh, modern interpretations as well. Mm-hmm. Usually, there's just one, uh, the only one of its kind. While being immortal, it's not invulnerable, and once it's gone, its like is usually not seen again. That being said. They live deep underground, and they hibernate for hundreds of years. So we can cross our fingers and hope that we can uh, we can make up for the transgressions of humanity's past. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of tell to determine if if this big mound that you might stumble upon is a terrace nest? You could try digging. There's there's no real talk of like earthquakes or sounds coming from an area where a terrace is it's easier to find the terrace if it's sleeping at the bottom of a river because it will wake up whenever something passes over it mm-hmm. but as far as terrasques underground they uh they don't give any tells until they wake up and of course with a lot of pretty much anyone who wakes up the first thing on its mind is uh, getting something to eat right yeah that makes sense so if you do see a terrace emerging from the ground. Try to have some some good food on hand. Maybe maybe make like a a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread. I'd say maybe something a little less vegetarian. <laughs> I was thinking like uh, I don't know braised beef. That seems like something they'd enjoy. Okay, so yeah, just kind of carry around some some meaty snacks on you. Definitely some some jerky. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it would like that. Just sort of placate it. Offer it something that will, at the very least, distract it from eating you. And then in that time while it's eating, say some gentle words. My, what a lovely mane you have. <laughs> That's a, quite a tail you got there. Did you polish your shell today? Aww. That sort of thing. Yes, yes, yes. So what are, what are some other things that we can do to be friends with it and, and show, show them that we mean no harm? I think attempting the same thing that St. Martha was doing... Taking it to a place where it can see other people react positively towards them, even though it didn't work out for St. Martha, would be a good thing. So if you are going to go out looking for a terrace, maybe let your friends know, hey, I'm going to be bringing a new friend in. Try to keep an open mind. Yeah, be cool, guys. Um, Yeah, be cool. Uh, Think of some nice things to say. Uh, Don't express any fear. And just try to uh, try to open your heart. And then as soon as you've gained the trust of the Terrasque, take it to your friends and have them interact with it as well. Let Help it build confidence not only in itself, but in its ability to have social interactions with humans. Because from this story, it's clear that the Terrasque wanted to have friends. It wanted to... Be accepted. be accepted and loved. It didn't necessarily want to 
be destructive or evil. It just didn't know anything better. And if we can reward it for the desire to be friendly, then mm-hmm. I don't see why it couldn't be just a, a big old shell puppy dog. Absolutely. With a scorpion tail. <laughs> so I think we're getting on to the rating part. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened before, after we've gone over the story of the creature and we've talked about all the ways that you can befriend it and all the things that it likes and dislikes, we give it a rating to kind of give you a better idea of what you can expect if you want to go try to make friends with it. And the four tiers we have are friend-shaped, which is something that you would essentially instantly become friends with. Uh, It's gentle, it's lovable, it wants to interact with people, that sort of thing. And then the next one we have is Cheeky Friend, and that is a creature that is not necessarily aggressive, but maybe a little mischievous, and and you might want to approach with caution or... Not necessarily caution, but just an understanding that it's it's going to get up to some hijinks once you invite it into your life. Yeah, a little impish. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that, that that word exists, and we'll go into our imp episode another time. Definitely. <laughs> The next one up from there is Spicy Friend. This one is more difficult to become friends with. You run the risk of injury or death, though not guaranteed. And maintaining that friendship can also be difficult because you might be battling the nature of the the creature itself, but not impossible. And lastly, we have Not a Friend Yet, and that's going to be a a creature that more than likely will kill you or destroy your your way of life and um and we need to approach with extreme caution but they are still redeemable and we're we're going to work with them yeah. it's one of those things where there haven't been any recorded instances of humans becoming friends with one of them but that hasn't ruled them out completely yet so yeah. don't don't give up. That's what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. So I'd say my rating for the Terrasque is going to be spicy, friend. You're you're going to have an uphill battle befriending it because it is going to be emerging from the ground or the river, hungry and not necessarily keen on social graces. And you might look like a tasty snack to it, but as soon as you can sway it, I'd say that it's going to be true to you. You're probably not going to have a lot to worry about as long as you don't go taking it to a place of uh, closed-minded people. I, I agree. I would also rate this a spicy friend. Um, it's it's someone who needs a lot of patience and gentle touches. And, um, and you just need to prepare yourself in your social circles for what they might expect. Definitely ask for permission before pabs. Yes. Yeah. Um, you don't want to go in for for a nice, soft-looking spike and, and get a chomp on the hand. I, we have a cat that we know that lesson all too well. Oh, yes. He's our little Tarisk. <laughs> but that's um that's what we have on Tarisks today. I'd, I'd like to thank you all so much for listening to our podcast uh, getting to know the Terrasque a little better and maybe getting a whole 
new outlook on it after perhaps already being exposed to sort of the Dungeons and Dragons picture of it. I know I learned so much, and a lot of what this podcast is good for is awareness, and I'm sure if our listeners had no idea what they were coming across if they were floating down a river and saw this giant spiked what they thought of as a beast, they they would be afraid and uneducated and just probably get gobbled right up. But now you know what to do to prevent that and, and to live in harmony with the Tarisk. And that is invaluable. Absolutely. It's... It's another friend in our roster. Mm -hmm. And hey, if you liked what you listened to, feel free to subscribe to us and uh, rate us on whatever podcast system you use. Uh, We love to hear when you share us with friends and we consider ourselves a family-friendly podcast. So if you want to uh, educate some youngsters on perhaps a softer side of the the mythical world, we'd, we'd love to be that initial foray. Absolutely. And we also have a Facebook page that you can follow us on. It's facebook.com slash friendsoflegend. We would love to have you as part of our community. And we also have a new Twitter page that's at friendsoflegend. And why don't you throw us some suggestions for other, other magical creatures that we can talk about? Or if you have questions or more information that you know of that want to share with us, we'd be happy to to um, broadcast all that. We love it when people send us some, some things that we might have skipped over in our efforts to educate the world about these these lovely little critters. Oh, yeah. Oh, and we have an email address. So if you, if you are not on Twitter or Facebook, contact us at friendsoflegend at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And keep an eye out for our new episodes. They're up every Saturday. Every Saturday, wherever you find podcasts. And thanks so much, y'all. And remember, when it comes to Friends of Legend, charm them. Do not harm them. Do not harm them.